It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, the host of Channel KA, and we are broadcasting on the campus of Virginia Military Institute in front of this live studio audience. Wonderful. Thank you so much, gentlemen. What a great warm welcome. We are here today as part of the Channel KA video series to talk about leadership. Leadership within the Kappa Alpha order and leadership on a few select campuses within Kappa Alpha National. And we have a a few young men we're going to bring up now and talk about leadership. So put your hands together. Let's welcome Charles Krauser. Where are you, Charles? Come on up here. Charles, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I am wonderful. Uh, I'm proud to be here with you and the KAs, and uh, we're going to talk about leadership. What is your campus? Uh, Epsilon Omicron chapter at Virginia Wesleyan College. Virginia Wesleyan, you're the uh, chapter president, also known as the number one. Uh, Yes, sir. And uh, tell us about how you approach leadership within your own singular chapter organization there at Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, well, honestly, the biggest question that we always get asked with other chapters on campus is what defines us between a fraternity and an order? Uh, and the big way we kind of talk about that is that a fraternity looks for men that they can mold into what they represent, mold into the values, mold into being a gentleman or a leader, whereas uh, an order already looks for men who already represent that, a fired statue who already shows that and has that leadership quality, those gentleman qualities. Well said, well said. Now let me ask you uh, about being a student leader on campus, leading by example. Hazing is still a big issue within the National College fraternity system. How do you lead by example on your campus to really go against the entire ideal of hazing? Well, it's exactly what I just said before. It's the fact that you know when we give these guys a bid, they are members awaiting initiation, that we already consider them brothers. There's nothing for them to prove or anything else other than to just learn what it means to be a KA, learn our history, and go through, you know, everything that it takes, which is what it takes to learn in our initiation and, uh, you know, be a KA. Would you uh, give me a bid? (laughs) I would. You would? Okay, that's a good answer. Now, before we let you go, a quick fun fact about Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, Virginia Wesleyan, uh, we're in Virginia Beach, but you know, even at this point, it's colder than it is here in Lexington. <laughs> That's Virginia Beach? How do you get yeah. anything done from May to October? Uh, you don't, do you? No. Good answer. <laughs> Sit down. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, a round of applause for Charles. Excellent job. Excellent. Thank you, Charles. Let's bring up George Beck now. George, is still with us? Excellent. Round of applause for George. Hi, George. Welcome to Channel KA. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Your campus is? Ada Chapter at the University of Richmond. University of Richmond, the Richmond Spiders. I hear you you have a fun fact about the Spiders coming up in a second, but let's first talk about leadership uh, within your own chapter and your campus. Yeah, um, the main thing we do is honestly just try and uh, penetrate all different aspects of campus. Um, We try and recruit kids from athletics, from different uh, student organizations, student government, uh, community service organizations. 
really just trying to get uh, as many different types of kids a part of the chapter as possible and uh, really build those relationships around campus. What's the pride like on campus when you see a guy across the plaza, across the quad, that has a KA on his chest? Uh, I mean, that's the reason we joined this fraternity. Uh, just, you know, you see someone, you automatically know it's your brother, and it's a, it's a bond that you have no matter where you see him throughout your day. And your fun fact about the Richmond Spiders. Yeah, uh, we are the uh, only school in the world that has that as our mascot. Is actually, it is actually a copyrighted mascot. It's copyrighted. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I don't, you know, Wildcats never got copyrighted. Sorry, Kentucky. <laughs> um, and as far as, you know, Spider-Man, there's a new clothing line with a spider. It's a $90 sweater I can't afford. I mean, this, you've got to have admissions are up at the uh, University of Richmond. Oh, absolutely. But uh, there's a lot of other reasons for that other than the mascot. I would only go there because of Spider-Man. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, That's okay. Fair. I'm a communications major. I should have told you that. Okay. Thank you so much. Another round of applause. Thank you, George. Appreciate it. And from Washington College, please welcome Greg Lee. Hi, Greg. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Adam. I'm great. Thanks. Welcome to Channel KA, and we are here to talk about leadership with the Kappa Alpha Order National Fraternity. Your college is Washington College? That's right. Beta Omega chapter. And that is uh, where? That's in Chestertown, Maryland. Maryland. Okay. Big campus, small campus? Very small. 1,400 students. Okay. That is small. 1,400. So yeah. the target's on your back. Everybody's looking at you. You can't sneak and get away with anything. You've got to be right. a campus leader. That's right. Uh, it's very important to be a leader on campus. Um, we have a lot of guys involved in different things. Uh, you always need to know that what you are doing reflects the people that are uh, underneath you in your leadership position and that you're always setting role or being a role model and setting an example. With a campus that small, your leadership, I'm guessing, has to come into play when you do a philanthropy, uh, your National Philanthropy of Muscular Dystrophy Association. How uh, does that leadership play into the philanthropy? Tell us about your last philanthropy that you uh, were part of. Uh, well, one of the philanthropy events that we do is a spaghetti dinner, um, and we, we have do this event at a church and we try to get as much support as we can for the event. Um, one of the, I guess, fun sort of things that we do with this event is um, delivery. So we have to coordinate delivery to people's dorm rooms and things like that. Um, but all the brothers get together and help um, make this event happen and make all the food. And um, they make it easy on me, thankfully. But, you know, it's, it's good to, uh, to be leading a bunch of guys that are willing to um, get involved and and help with everything. More campus leaders with Kappa Alpha Order National Fraternity. Thank you so much, Greg. Appreciate your time. Thank Let's you have a round of applause real quick for Greg. And our final guest, you know what? Let's bring up Brent Fellows from the National Office. Brent, how are you? Let's talk about Channel KA real quick. Absolutely. We're really looking forward to the video series that we are producing. Uh, we live in a really tough world today. Things are going to happen. And the main thing that we want to really get across in this series is that uh, one bad decision can really cost something in your life. And we want to make sure that, that we're able to get you to think about these decisions in a very innovative way by producing this video series. Brent Fellows, your main fellow from Kappa Alpha <laughs> National fraternity here in Lexington, Virginia. We want to thank all of you for all of your gentlemanly uh, manners and ways. I mean, I've learned a lot from working with Kappa Alpha Order. I work with a lot of student leaders in campuses across America, and I tell these campuses I go to, um, the most important thing you can do is be a gentleman. And I've learned that from uh, Kappa Alpha Order. There's a lot of college football teams I talk to, and these guys think they're so uh, 
athletically special, and they are, but that's not all they are. The most important thing they'll ever do is be a gentleman. The most important thing you'll ever do. It's not your engineering degree, it's not the job you'll have, it's not the $200,000 Christmas bonus you're gonna get. The most important thing you'll ever be in your life is a gentleman. Keep that with you. Channel KA, thanks you for being here. Brent, thank you for being part of this and for having me part of Kappa Alpha. Let's have a round of applause for all of you gentlemen here today. We can't thank you enough for all that you do. Thank you, gentlemen. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. Wanted to uh, highlight a great cause coming up uh, this next weekend, uh, a week from this weekend. On May 17th, it's the Indy Heart Ball with the American Heart Association. Uh, Indy in the month of May is a fantastic time of year with the Indy 500. You've got the uh, Indiana Pacers in the NBA playoffs. And on May 17th, what a great night of entertainment for a great cause. It's the Indy Heart Ball. More information on uh, how you can get tickets, reserve your table. It's a gala event. Get your tuxedos, get your dresses, go have a great time at the Indy Heart Ball. More information at IndyHeartBall.org. And last week we had Tim Harms from the American Heart Association on to talk about the Indy Heart Ball. And he also had some absolutely fantastic tips and ideas on heart health. I would really encourage people just to, um, yeah, if you haven't seen your doctor in a while, go see your doctor, have a conversation. Start the conversation with your doctor on what is appropriate for you. Should you be going in for a checkup every year? Should you be getting a physical every five years, you know, based on your particular situation? That's really what it's going to come down to. But certainly anybody and everybody listening if you haven't had a conversation with your physician recently now's a great time you know go in and make that appointment get a physical and have that conversation with your doctor you know I know I know heart disease is the number one killer in America what should I be doing personally in my life to make sure that I you know reduce the risk as much as I can that's powerful what you just said it's the number one killer in America maybe a lot of people I didn't know that I mean just if you said, what's the number one killer in America? I don't know if it'd be, I'd have it about in the top 10 maybe, but I didn't know it was the number one killer in America, heart disease. Dr. Harms, thank you so much for joining us. Tim Harms on the program. Before we let you go, let's uh, talk about the Heart Gala Ball one more time. Information at IndyHeartBall.org. Uh, give us all the rundown real quick. Yep, here in Indianapolis, it's Saturday, May 17th at the JW Marriott. Going to be a great evening where we celebrate the accomplishments of, of the years of research and things that the American Heart Association has done, continue to raise awareness about uh, how folks can lead a health, heart-healthy heart lifestyle, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. May 17th, I'll get my tuxedo. Thank you, Tim, so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social technically. Coming to you from the office of head coach Matt Painter at Purdue University, Purdue Men's Basketball, Division I College Hoops, and we thank you, Coach, for your time. We want to talk about some social issues surrounding um, college athletics and student athletes and how you handle these issues with your kids. Let's talk about social media, first of all. Do you have a rule set with your players on how they can use Twitter, maybe during the season, off-season, all that kind of stuff? 
Well, we allow them to use it um, in off-season. Um, obviously, we try to educate them and, and use it as a positive tool um, to help uplift our institution, them, their family, um, what have you, and, and use it really, like I said, as, as a positive tool. And then when the season starts, um, we don't let them use it. And so I, I think it's something from a, from a trust standpoint. Um, I'm probably halfway there um, with them. Um, a lot of the things that it's, it gets used for is, is negativity. And we just don't want to put them in that position when they're they're frustrated, they're upset, you know, a bad call in a game, something happens with their girlfriend, you know, whatever it might be to now the, the constantly be, you know, on Twitter. And a little bit of it from my standpoint is I think it's so hard. It's so hard to be good as a major college athlete. So, you know, you have your academics, you know, you have basketball, and now just trying to keep your focus there. You know, if you're always on that and that's your, you know, it's your, your main focus, you've got away from your improvement as a person as a student, as a player. That's a great point about it's time management. I mean, yes. you, you can say something stupid on Twitter. You can use it positively to promote your basketball team in the university, but it also it takes time. And if you're spending time on Twitter and Facebook during the season, then you're not focused on hoops in the game and what's coming up. Yeah, and it's like anything. Um, you know, you, you talk with a lot of professional athletes, and, and they're you know everybody says, you know, why are these so many of these guys end up having this vice? You know, you know whether that's drinking or whether that's drugs or, or what have you. Um, we're all competitive. We're all wired. We know we all want that high, and, and a lot of that high is our competition. And sometimes when you're away from that competition, you still want that high. And when that happens, you get consumed with things. You might get consumed with, um, you know, your partner or a girlfriend or something like that. You might get consumed, you know, with this. And so you're just trying to give them some balance. You're, you're trying to help them. Every coach out there, especially an old-school coach, will talk about a, a girlfriend who ruined their basketball season because it got into the guy's <laughs> head. And that used to be the big thing. Be careful. Be careful about, you know – now there's so many different things out there. And, and sure, drugs and alcohol um, were out there before. Now everybody knows your business. And so now trying to manage that to the best of our abilities. I don't know if I'm right. We, you know, we try to work towards being right. Um, so I'm always open to listen to what people have to say because it is here to stay. Now, as far as social media, we're several years into how it's affected athletics and student athletes. Um, I'm sure years ago, a few years back, when a coach would – ban Twitter from the season, there'd be some pushback, some student athletes at that age, that generation. Right. What are you kidding me, coach? This is how we communicate. This is what we do. How can right. you take this away from us? Right. I, I kind of got to believe now that after all that's been done, after a few years, it's kind of like, the, the, would the players say, yeah, you know what, coach, you're right. Let's focus on hoops. Let's win a championship. Yeah, and you're going to have um, some disagreement. You're going to have some people um, on your team that, that really want to do it. And I, I think it's good to, to be able to talk through things. And there's things that they disagree with their parents. Um, but there still has to be some order. And, and what you do. And, you know, maybe this isn't for you if you think your priority is Twitter. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, with, with your religion and with education and family and basketball, there's some things that come before Twitter. You know, if, if you're fighting for Twitter, um, you know, let's fight for something that really matters to you. There's nothing wrong with fighting for things that matter to you. So, Coach Painter, online, on Twitter, on Facebook, do you Instagram? <laughs> nothing. I, <laughs> I, uh, I text, I, I call people, I, I'll, I'll email on occasion, uh, but that's all I do. Um, they're, they're, if anybody's ever used uh, my handle, my name, whatever, um, it, it's been somebody else or somebody who's, who's not supposed to. So I, I just try to keep things simple. Um, but my kids do, and, and so I understand a little bit of it. I don't understand a lot of it.
Well, we're talking to Coach Matt Painter about some social awareness on the Adam Rich Show. We thank you for your time, and you mentioned your kids. Let's talk about fatherhood. Uh, how old are your kids? Um, 19, 15, and 9. So I have uh, two girls and a boy. Um, the boy's in the middle. So it is, uh, it's challenging. Um, yeah. It's fun. I think when you're, you're spread out. Um, in, in terms of ages, you know, you see the differences and what they go through, right? If somebody gets through something, the other one's getting into it and it just kind of keeps going. But, uh, um, it's, it's pretty cool. And I think it's, um, when you have some frustrations or you have some down times, you know, you, you know, your kids, um, are, are, are something special. It makes you realize, you know, what you're fighting for and what you're trying to provide for them. We loved getting the coach perspective on fatherhood because you're a father to your players. You're a coach to your kids. I mean, they, they're one in the same almost. Yeah. And you know, your kids every now and I'll tell you, you know, you know, quit treat me like a player, you know, or something, um, what, when you make them run laps or <laughs> of that nature. But, um, there's there's so many things um, with the game of basketball that relate to life, and you can learn lessons from it. And so when they get into their own activities and their own sports, you know, you're going to have problems. You're going to have conflict. You know, learn from those things so it can help you in life. And that's that's something that I'm always talking about with our guys, and always talking about um, with our kids. Because if you can learn to be forthright and, and learn to deal with difficult people, um, you know, you're going to be successful in life. Coach Matt Painter, Purdue basketball, Purdue alumni. Purdue student, athlete here at Purdue. Uh, let's talk about academics. As a student athlete, when you were here, uh, was it as hard as I think it would be to be involved with a six, seven, eight-hour-a-day sport like basketball and have to study? Well, it's a, a little bit different um, then than it was now, and you always hear those stories. And I'm in my early 40s, so it was you know, 20, 25 years um, to when I started and I, and I finished. Um, you know, Now we, we'll have a day off or two days off during a week, and back then they had no rules in terms of about a day off. And so we, we started, we probably had close to 35, 40 practices in a row um, my first year as, as a freshman. So now guys have a couple days off, and it's, it, it is different. I think we've really helped with some of the rules, especially from a physical um, you know, standpoint, but um, it is taxing and it is hard. And if you don't have good time management skills, you make it close to impossible. And so I always try to let guys know about, hey, you're going to have a day off, but a day off doesn't mean you don't do anything. You know, you don't have a day off just because you might not go into work one day doesn't mean you don't do anything. Um, you're always trying to work towards making things easier for you, but it's not going to be easy. Sometimes a day off for our guys now, it sets them back. They're mentally not quite ready the next day. Um, they slept for 15 hours. You know, take that day as a study day. Take that day as a, um, as a day to help prepare you so you make your life easier. What's your best advice as a coach, as a father, as a Purdue alum, as a, a, a graduate? Uh, with time management, we hear a lot, and that's a big key to academics, whether you're in sports or not. Um, your son, your daughter, going to college. You, you could get in a time machine and talk to yourself yeah. as an 18-year-old freshman. What's yeah. the one piece of advice you'd give yourself academically concerning time management? I would say, you know, try to be early. Um, get out in front of your problems more than anything. Um, once something... Um, pops up that's an issue now you know it's going to be an issue after that you know get out in front of that problem try to talk to people um, that have been in that class try to talk to people that have been in that major you know try to get out in front of things instead of going into things blind you know educate yourself with other people that have experience because you don't and a lot of times when you do that with a father or with a coach or whatever, you really look at him. I played for a guy that was seven-time national coach of the year. And at times, you know, it's a byproduct of youth. You think you know more than him. 
um, but you're 19 years old and that, that's, that's the way you're wired and you quickly realize you don't, but it does take some time before you do that. And um, the one thing that most of us have to do is learn through our own experiences. You know, you, you hear it from your mom, you hear it from your dad, you hear it from your coach. You just don't believe it 100% until you go through it. And normally you have to learn a hard lesson. You sort of just touched on a topic we talk about a lot, mentoring. You mentioned uh, the coach you played for, seven-time national coach of the year, yeah. Gene Cady. Uh, you're still in touch with him. He, yeah. I'm assuming he was a big mentor to you. Yeah. How, how does that make you feel in the present towards the young guys now that are looking at you the way you looked at Gene Cady? Yeah, well, you, you, know, you end up looking at somebody like that, and you'll never think that you would be like that, and you slowly start to become um, that person and what they stand for. Um, uh, you don't always agree with people, but I think the people that you respect as time goes on are the people that told you the truth. And he always told me the truth, and I always didn't leave his office um, feeling great. Um, but in time, you, you know, he was hitting you between the eyes with things, and he was trying to help you. And sometimes you got to fall down a little bit. Sometimes you got to get some bad news, um, and that's the best thing for you. Someone always telling you that you're okay isn't the best thing in the world. It is okay at times to pat somebody on the back or give them positive encouragement. I'm not saying that, but for him, he was always just so honest. And uh, that was something I've taken with me in, in, in my job. Now with student athletes and service projects uh, on campuses across America, uh, it's very encouraged for, encouraged for a student athlete to be involved with their campus, their community, right. and with um, just philanthropy in general, coast to coast. Anything going on with your guys through the course of the year as far as philanthropy and charity and community service? Our guys do um, a variety of things. I think the best thing for them to do is be able to um, give their time to kids, you know, and, and whether it's, um, you know, they're reading to kids in the elementary schools, you know, or whether they're, you know, they're, they're mingling with kids at, at the cancer walk. Um, I've done a lot of stuff with coaches versus cancer and, um, you know, and, and then things of that nature. We do different things. Um, you know, in our community to try to get them. We'll go to a boys club and do a clinic. We'll have a, um, a thing here for, for Christmas break where um, we have uh, different kids that, that, you know, might not have the Christmas that they need here in this community mm -hmm. and we bring them and their families in and we and each one of our players takes them and we get money donated and our players take a little bit out of their per diem for christmas break and they go there and they go on a shopping spree like at walmart or something like uh something like that and they get 225 250 dollars and just to see those kids you know eyes light up and i always talk to them about i grew up in muncie on ball state's campus and when i, when I was six seven years old i could tell you every player on ball state's team and what i thought of them and now as i go back and i and i look and i see i said you know I looked up to guys that were just okay basketball players. You know, some of them on Ball State team are pretty good, but some of them are just okay. But I looked up to them. I thought that was a big deal. And never forget that. Never forget that you've got little eyes watching, and you can make an impact on somebody. You can make an impact on somebody by just doing the right thing or saying something positive um, to somebody who's in some, you know, real formative years, you know, as a seven- or eight-year-old. Well, I'll tell you, I, uh, I went to Purdue myself, alum, and I was here about the same time you were. I think I saw you wandering around Chauncey Hill a couple of times. Definitely saw you in the stadium in Mackey. Uh, I love the golf course here. So if you ever want to get the, the Coach Painter golf outing going for charity, I'm in, okay? There you go. Sounds good. <laughs> Coach Matt Painter is our guest and, again, played here at Purdue. Best uh, in-game moment for you on the court, three-point shot. Give me something. Um, you know, for me, it was um, – 
kind of an empty feeling because one of the things that, that drew me to Purdue um, was the fact that he always talked about if you played four years at Purdue, you're going to get a Big Ten championship. My freshman year, um, we are in a very close game, and, and we ended up getting second, losing the game, and not getting a Big Ten championship. And then my first three years in coaching, Purdue won the Big Ten all three years. So it got sandwiched right there. They won in 87. They won in 88. I came in 89. I left in 93. They won in 94, 95, 96. So to me, it was, you know, I had that void. And so being able to win the Big Ten championship um, as a coach, um, it's probably the, the, the best experience that I've had here at Purdue. Final question, Hollywood. I see the credits roll in the movie Blue Chips. Matt Painter's name is in the credits of Blue Chips. Yeah. However, I've seen that. I like movies and I like sports, yeah. so I've seen that movie a dozen times. Yeah. I've never seen you in the movie. Yeah. Did your part get cut out of the movie? No, I'm actually in it. You're in it three or four times. <laughs> actually, I score a basket in it. So, okay, which team were you on so I can watch that again? Thirty pounds ago, so you might not recognize me. Um, I think it was the Coast Cutters, uh, maroon jersey. Maroon so jersey. I, I think it's the second game of the movie. But don't. But do not hold me to that. I don't even know my number. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you, do you get uh, residuals every time that shows <laughs> on HBO? Do you get a small check for $3? I wish. I wish. <laughs> I'd take it. Well, Coach Matt Painter, we can't thank you enough for your time uh, and your efforts as a coach here at Purdue and for uh, all that you do with community service and, and making sure your guys know about the social causes out there and how important that is off thank the court. You. Thank you. appreciate it. Get to know Adam at AdamRitz.com. Get to know the radio show at AdamRitzShow.com. I'm in the Buffalo Bills training facility in Buffalo, New York. Our guest is Paul Lancaster. Hi, Paul. How are you? Fine. How are you today? I'm doing great. And, Paul, uh, you work with the Buffalo Bills as the Director of Player Engagement. And how long have you been here with the Bills? I've uh, been here since uh, 2001. That, wow, congratulations. Uh, a little job security there. <laughs> well, uh, I've been lucky and blessed. And, Paul, what is your, uh, I guess, background uh, in sports? Um, I'm assuming former athlete since you're almost seven feet tall. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are you, about 6'7", six, 6'8"? Six, uh, eight? 6'6". Six, six. Uh, yeah, I uh, started off uh, at, at Navy and uh, transferred to a D2 school, Cal PA. Um, and uh, I played at Cal PA, California PA. It's a Division two school. How, I guess, um, odd is it that a former basketball player is working in, uh, you know, upper administration for an NFL team with football players? It seems to me like a lot of NFL teams employ former football players. Is that odd or is that normal? Uh it, at the time, it was uh, kind of kind of odd, but uh, when I when I was approached about the position, uh, the the current the GM at that time, Tom Donahoe, I uh, was looking for uh, some somebody with some credentials and uh, you know, moving away from the uh, the former player aspect of the position. And uh, you know, I, I had uh, interned with a sports psychologist out of Pittsburgh that that worked with the Steelers and. Uh, got to meet Tom and, and, and get to know him a little bit. And when the job opened up, he just uh, I interviewed for it and was blessed enough to get it. So player engagement, you know, we work with player engagement and player development, they call it, on the college level. And it's really kind of a topic that's only been around maybe 10 years at the most. A lot of colleges and pro teams maybe within the last five years. So uh, tell us how... I guess player development slash player engagement started for you and the Bills 12 years ago and how it's evolved to where you are today. Well, when I, when I came in, uh, there were uh, two player development directors prior to me getting here. Uh, one is uh, Jerry Butler, who is now with the uh, Denver Broncos. 
and uh, they kind of you know set the bar as far as what we were doing um, with the players as far as programming is concerned, um, continuing education, um, family assistance, and uh, just helping players deal with transition both into the league and, and out of the league. So uh, over the course of time, it, it, it has kind of transformed and, and morphed into what we now have as player engagement. And But the premise is still the same. It's all about helping the players and uh, helping them make transitions in their life. Paul Lancaster is our guest, uh, the player engagement director for the Buffalo Bills. And you mentioned uh, all the aspects that fall into that category, transitioning players both from college into the pros and from the league into their normal everyday life. So it's a lot of education, continuing education, off-the-field issues. What uh, would you say is the single most important aspect or the thing you like to work with most with these players as they transition from their football life into a normal everyday life after the league? My my favorite to work with is uh, continuing education. And, and the reason being is both of my parents were educators. I really believe in, in education. And so when it comes down to that transition, it's important that players look at where they are in life and look at where, they're at, where they are educationally. And if they can go back and get into class, if they can seek their degree, it's only going to help them down the line. Absolutely. Great point. Okay, Paul Lancaster, uh, let's have some fun now with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you've been here 12 years. What's your favorite uh, memory from being a, uh, not only a, a Bills employee um, uh, behind the scenes, but as a Bills fan on the field? I have to be real honest. I just enjoy the guys. Um, every, every day is a challenge. Every day is different. I love that about this position. And not knowing what I'm walking into on a daily basis is fantastic for me. I never get bored. All right. Thank you so much, Paul, for uh, joining us on the show. Uh, We have a lot of fun speaking with NFL franchises. I had a lot of fun here today with you and the Buffalo Bills. We wish you the best of luck here. Thanks a lot, Adam. I appreciate you coming through and taking care of our life skills presentation as well. Thank you. And again, another fantastic show. We thank you for being part of it. I'm on Twitter, at Adam Ritz. If you're wondering about the last name, exactly like the Ritz Crackers. And no, I am not uh, part of the Cracker uh, fortune. I I wish that were untrue. I wish I was the sole heir to the Ritz Cracker fortune. But unfortunately, I have nothing to do with it. Uh, But I am on Twitter. Uh, Remember the Ritz Cracker spelling and join me. Tweet with me. Um, and have a lot of fun with me at Adam Ritz. Thanks to my guest today, the gentleman of Kappa Alpha Order in Lexington, Virginia. Also, Matt Painter with Purdue Basketball. Paul Lancaster with the Buffalo Bills. And don't forget to get those tickets to the Indy Heart Ball with the American Heart Association for May 17th. More information at IndyHeartBall.org. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.